0: You're listening to Closer Look. Here's Joel Reagan. Talking with Jed Medefind. He's the uh, president of Christian Alliance for Orphans tonight on Closer Look. Uh, Thanks for talking with us, Jed.
1: Absolutely, Joel.
0: First of all, tell us a bit more about CAFO, the history and the mission, and what you guys do.
1: Yeah. Well, the Christian Alliance for Orphans really sprang out of Christian ministries that were serving children and realizing that they were often working in isolation and sometimes even competition with each other. There's now more than 190 organizations, each unique, but all saying, hey, we love Jesus Christ, and we really want to reflect His love in caring for vulnerable children. We want to help the church to do that in ways that really reflect quality and wisdom and excellence and the best available knowledge.
0: Is this something that the kind of the church is maybe sometimes maybe kind of overlooks as, as a whole? Talk about all the, all the children across the country in the foster care system.
1: Yeah, you know, I'd give two answers to that. One is that Christians at their best, all throughout history, have been known for caring for vulnerable children. I mean, in, back in the time of the Roman Empire, when Christians were just a small and, you know, marginalized minority group, even then they earned a reputation for going outside the city walls when children were abandoned outside of these Roman cities, Christians would go outside and find these children, uh, bring them home, care for them, and often raise them as their own. But I would say over the last 10 to 20 years, there really has been a reawakening to that historic role. It's often entire networks of churches that are working together, to uh, partner with the child welfare system, to care for vulnerable children, to help families that have fallen apart, to reunite, um, and also to help the system itself to improve. So it's not new, but it is um, really in in a vibrant way, kind of re-earning that historic reputation.
0: Are there any misconceptions folks might have about foster care and and adoption?
1: You know, these precious kids are are, are in the foster system uh, because those that were supposed to care for them are unable to. The children may have been abused, there may have been severe neglect involved, but for whatever reason, their home has been determined to be temporarily unsafe for them. In most cases, our hope and our prayer is that the parent, the biological parent or parents of this child will be able to get their life to a healthy place where they can receive that child back. And so, um, you know, that's something, you know, as, as a foster parent myself and, and, of course, many, many other Christians in this space, even as they're caring for this particular child or children, they're also praying for this biological parent or parents and, and often even involved personally. Um, in their lives, trying to to help and encourage them back to a healthy place where they can receive the child back.
0: The goal is reunification.
1: Yeah. And, you know, roughly, um, there's about 400,000 kids in the U.S. foster system. That overall, about one quarter of those children, their parental relationship has been permanently ended. They're waiting to be adopted into a permanent family. The other three quarters, the the current hope and prayer is that those families can be reunified.
0: Are there enough foster parents for the uh, kids that are in the system as well?
1: There always has been a need for loving, caring families, right? Because the goal isn't just to get these kids warehoused someplace that will take them, but that they would be cared for in a place where they feel welcome and safe and loved. I would say that there's overall a need for parents across the spectrum, some who are willing to adopt, saying, I, I want to give a child a permanent family when, it, when a kid no longer has a parental relationship. I'm willing to play that role. And in other cases, uh, there's a need for that temporary care, saying, you know, I will, for as long as this child needs it, I will play a, a role as a parent, a uh, loving, nurturing home uh, until they can be returned to their biological parents. So there, there really is a need for all of the above.
0: Jed Medifin is the uh, president of Christian Alliance for Orphans, and he joins us tonight here on Closer Look. Everybody loves little babies, maybe not at 2.30 in the morning, but most time folks do, but obviously older children as well. There are some challenges when it comes to older children who are in the system, correct?
1: Absolutely. And often it is the hardest for the child welfare system to find homes for older children. Children that are 8, 9, or 10 or, you know, 15, 16 years old. It's a very, very significant place to step into the life of a child who many of the young people that I know who have spent years in the foster system uh, have bounced from home to home to home. And, and so uh, providing a place where there is a certain sense of, of belonging is, is such a, uh, just a remarkable experience for a child who has not had that, and where they feel like, you know, this is someone who is not just taking me in because they get a a monthly check, but they are really interested in me. And even if I push back, even if I resist the rules, even if I do things that are meant to press their buttons as a parent, I can tell that they still love me. And when, when you have someone filling that role, it is a truly beautiful reflection of God's love for each of us.
0: Obviously, there are children who are not able to find that forever home and they age out of the system. That's kind of, I guess, the term. What kind of challenges do children who age out of the system face?
1: You know, Joel, it is it is just a heartbreaking story when you look at the, the statistics. Um, by the, the time they, they hit their mid-20s, kids who have aged out of the foster system without being adopted, um, less than half are employed. Uh, of the, the young men, about 64% have been incarcerated. Uh, around 70% of the young women are on public assistance of some sort. And, and one statistic that I think is very telling is actually they measure rates of PTSD, that are double the rates of returning combat veterans. So the things that these young people have experienced, and then they graduate into adulthood without that nurture and love and belonging of a family, it really can take its toll. And so um, for those who can step into the life of these young people, um, ideally, of course, while they're still in the foster system, um, but even as they're making that transition to adulthood, it is a truly opportune time. Uh, to step into the life of a young person you never outgrow the need for a family you know you, you may no longer need someone to tie your shoes in the morning but you do always need a place where you can go home to for holidays someone that you can call for advice someone that you can figure out you know, with you how to apply for financial aid at the junior college. These are all things that, that most of us, if we grew up in a, you know, a reasonably healthy family, really take for granted. And, and so when, when someone can step into the life of one of these young people that is aging out or has aged out and, and say, I want to be family to you, that can make a profound difference in their lives. You know, I have, I have a good friend who's in his late 30s now. Um, and he aged out of the system, and by by all the statistical measures, he is doing great. He graduated from college. Um, he he has started a nonprofit that is actually oriented towards serving vulnerable children. So just just a tremendous guy. But he he will you know when we talk vulnerably with one another, he will share that he still longs for a family. He longs for that that relationship that where you know that even if you really blow it, they're still going to be there, and you can call them mom and dad, and they will call you son or daughter. And so just seeing that, even a very successful guy in his late 30s, I say, you know, every one of us uh, so much was made to thrive within family, and when the church can be that for kids that don't have that, whether they're, you know, five or six years old or 17 or 18 at the point of aging out, or in their 20s or later, it is such a vibrant reflection, again, of of God's welcome into His family that He extends to every one of us.
0: Jed Medefin is the president of Christian Alliance for Orphans. He's our guest tonight on Closer Look. And obviously, as a foster parent or maybe adoptive parent, and maybe you come across folks in your church, maybe folks that you just see out and about, are there ways that folks can maybe be sensitive to the fact that you have a foster child or maybe somebody has an adoptive child, and maybe the way they interact with you?
1: Absolutely. You know, we often say the Christian Alliance for Orphans, not everyone is called to adopt and not everyone is called to foster. Not everyone is called to be a mentor to a kid that's aging out. Um, But every one of us can play a really vital role in the local church becoming a place of welcome. For children that the world has forgotten, and so when there are families in the church that have fostered uh, that are fostering that have adopted um, the other church members can play such a significant role in wrapping around those families and i 'll just say, share personally, Joel, I, I remember a while back um, my wife and I got a call from our foster agency and they had a little boy who was uh, a preemie um and was had, was just recently coming from the hospital had been born quite early and they asked if we would uh, receive this child and and we were very excited but but our youngest at the time was 4 years old and so we had gotten rid of you know all of our baby stuff and and that sort of thing and so we were scrambling to try to get prepared to receive this little guy. And what was amazing was people in our church found out about this. And just that very afternoon, as we were trying to get a million things ready, people began showing up with bags of infant diapers and bags of clothing. Um, And uh, there was this diaper genie that would not let any stink out from the diapers, you know, and, and all these things that we needed, you know, bringing meals over, over the course of the weeks ahead. All of this, not only was something that was so valuable. I mean, we just needed this help, right? But but also, it helped us feel that we were not alone in this journey. And in some, some of the nights, you know, when we were up at two or four in the morning feeding bottles until truly exhausted uh, in the early weeks and months of that journey, knowing that our church community was in the journey with us meant the world to us. And I would say that would probably be true of just about anyone in your church, you know, who has adopted or fostering, and, it, and particularly if they're, you know, they're, they're facing challenges, to feel other people uh, with them in it is, is worth the world. And that, that can take so many different forms. You know, I mentioned, um, you know, bringing over meals, bringing over needed items like diapers and clothing. But, uh, you know, running errands, uh, there, was, there was a woman in our church that said, hey, I'd like to do your shopping for you. So for, for nearly a year, uh, Lorraine um, did the grocery shopping for us. She would get our list. And then she'd show up that afternoon, we'd give her a check for the cost of the the groceries, but she would have done all the shopping. And and man, we love Lorraine. She's like a surrogate grandparent to us now because she played that significant role. So I would just encourage anyone, um, if there's a family in your church that has adopted or is fostering, just step up and say, hey, is there a way we can help? And even if they say, oh, no, we're fine, just try to figure something out and do it.
0: If someone's listening and maybe they are interested in maybe fostering or adopting, what should they expect?
1: Well, you know, I would first just encourage, you know, to to talk with people who have walked this road before um, because whatever route you're, you're taking, um, you know, there are going to be joys. And I can tell you just things that are uh, rewards that I never have experienced in any other sphere of life than both as an adoptive parent and a foster parent. I feel so privileged along that journey but there have been really hard things too. And so you really want to have a lot of conversations with people who have walked that road, including with diverse experiences, because, you know, each person's journey is is very unique, very different. But I would say that, you know, first of all, just expect that if if you begin that process, the process itself is going to be difficult. There's going to be applications, there's going to be lots of waiting, there's going to be kind of, you know, home reviews where they do your home study and ask you lots of questions that feel a little invasive. And, And, you know, you need to say, hey, this is parcel of loving a child um, that that ultimately needs that love, right? So you're you're going through these hard things for the sake of, of that love. And then when you're placed with a child, of course, there's a whole nother set of challenges that have to do not only with helping a child to, to feel love and belonging, but also dealing with the system. Because if you're fostering or in a process of foster to adopt, you're going to be working with a, an overwhelmed, often overtaxed system of social workers who, who care deeply about kids, but they're often stressed and, and hard-pressed. And so um, at each step along the way, there are going to be unique costs. But, but of course, Joel, I'd want to come back to alongside those costs – there are rewards that you can't find anywhere else.
0: As a uh, foster and adoptive parent, what's the most rewarding part of that?
1: Mm. Well, it certainly for me has just been loving children. You know, And I, I feel like for me, uh, among many other things, um, it has helped move a lot of ideas that I always believed to be true uh, about God from my head to my heart. Um, you know, knowing that, that he loved me unconditionally, that he uh, that He welcomes me into his family, that he gives me his name, that he invites us to live as his sons and daughters. Like, all of those were, were truths that I believed, that I'd read in Scripture. But to feel that, uh, to, to, and to think, wow, you know, I, I know that my love for this precious child is just a, a small fraction of how God loves me. And, of course, his love for me is even more... Um, full, more perfect, more unconditional than my love. And yet I feel such a joy and delight in this precious little girl or this precious little boy. So that has been one of the biggest things, both uh, just delighting in particular children, but also in coming to, to realize how much my Heavenly Father delights in me. You know, Paul uses a phrase, he says that he wants to know Christ, the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. And in some mysterious and, and humble sense, I think that as foster and adoptive parents, we, we have the blessing of sharing in Christ's sufferings, both some of what he bore on our behalf, but also in sharing in the sufferings of these precious kids. And so it, it is certainly not easy, but I would also say that even in some of those very difficult moments, um, there is a sweetness to that fellowship that, that can't be found anywhere else.
0: Is that something that folks maybe don't know about, is all the, uh, the trauma that some of these children have faced in their young lives?
1: That certainly is possible. That's certainly something that, that as the Christian Alliance for Orphans, and, and I think increasingly those who are advocating for foster care and adoption, they really seek to tell the truth about both the beauty and the brokenness of this journey, right? Because I, I think it could be easy to go out and cheerlead and talk about how adoption can be uh, so beautiful and redemptive, and, and it is. And, and we can talk about how foster care can can be so rewarding, and it is. But we also need to talk about how, um, that you know, as we welcome children in who are coming from hard places, who have tasted the world's brokenness, we will, we will share in, in that pain as well. And it's so important that we talk honestly about that and that, that whoever – Uh, enters into this realm is is doing so with the sense that that, uh, it is a sharing in both the the joy and the costliness of true discipleship. For a church community, it really grows that, that, you know, when the Bible talks about fellowship or the word koinonia, that idea of all of us sharing in a common life where we're supporting and encouraging one another helping bear each other's burdens when i see churches all across the country now where they are they are kind of embracing a vision for foster care and adoption. And some of the families in the church are adopting or fostering, but others in the church are are wrapping around and supporting those families. Um, The Sunday school teachers are saying, hey, even if these kids are coming with some behavioral challenges or other issues, we're welcoming them. We're going to work with the parents to help those kids feel welcome in our Sunday schools. There's various ways in which the church is wrapping around those foster and adoptive families. It really is um, not only kind of a you know you could say a great program it's a it's a great way of caring for kids but really it's it's a way of showing the world what the church is supposed to be like Us walking through hard things together, encouraging, supporting one another in that. And and I'll tell you, as one who's experienced both sides of that, both helping these families but also being one of the families that feels wrapped around by their church, it is really, really sweet.
0: As we talked about earlier in the interview, there is a need for folks who feel like they're called to help out in this, maybe as a foster parent, an adoptive parent, or just maybe through a church or another ministry.
1: You know, if there are churches or individuals that really want to see their church become a place of welcome for kids in foster care and families. Um, You know, the Christian Alliance for Orphans has a whole wide range of resources to help churches develop uh, foster care and adoption ministries, as well as to help networks of churches to really engage the foster system effectively and to to learn from many others around the country who are doing that, Uh, everything from webinars to in-person events. Um, to, to personal coaching for for church ministries, and so we would just be our joy to do that. That's that's our mission, and ultimately, really, we, what we want to see is is in the United States there would be more than enough for every child and family in foster care, and we we believe that it's possible to get there. You know, there's four hundred some thousand kids in foster care, but there's nearly that many churches. So, you know, if each church in the United States really just fostered or adopted one child, there would be more than enough families for every child in the foster system. And, and you know, Joel, I think that would be a marvelous way for the church to be known, right? The, the outside world would look at the church and say, hey, there's a lot of things that I might disagree with those Christians about. But, man, I know they are the ones who will take the kids that everyone else seems to have forgotten. They're the ones that, that meet kids in their most hurting place and welcome them in. And I think if that is how the church can be known, uh, it will show the world a totally different reflection of God's heart than perhaps many people have ever seen.
0: Christian Alliance for Orphans, C-A-F-O dot org, is the website. John Medifin is the uh, president of Christian Alliance for Orphans. Really appreciate your time tonight.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Joel. For Closer Look,
0: I'm Joel Regan. This has been Air One Closer Look. Find us online at airone.com.